The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Hey everybody, welcome to Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke from BurkeReviews.com, and with me is my uh, kingsman to my statement. I don't say it nearly as eloquently as he does. You're too kind. It's Matt from What I Watched Tonight. How you doing, John? I'm doing pretty well, Matt. How are you today? I'm not bad at all. It's a it's a happy Saturday evening over here in the UK, so I'm looking forward to talking some movies. Mm. I recorded a pod. I recorded a movie club earlier today um, with Corey from BurkeReviews.com, and uh, we were talking about uh, Sean Baker's Tangerine. And Good uh, film. Uh, it is uh, first time I we, either one of us had seen it, and I've been meaning to watch it since I saw the Florida Project, um, but just hadn't got to it. And I got to tell Corey that I uh, I ate an honorary British breakfast this morning, um, <laughs> which I've been wanting to try for a couple years now. Uh, I think I feel like it was Train Spotting that first made me like I'm like, are those beans with eggs? And I've never seen that before. And then it's become apparent to me that many cultures eat beans with eggs for breakfast yeah and it's just like an american thing that we don't and um i tried it this morning as well as i made i i didn't, I didn't tell you i went a slightly healthier route and i made turkey bacon and turkey sausage um to that's to, still it's still bacon and sausage in some form yes yeah that's that was my logic too i was just like it, it was cheaper and healthier so i went with that and um I actually like turkey bacon. I know some people are against it, but I like it. And I made some hash browns. Any bacon. Yeah. And, uh, man, I got to say, beans and eggs, I was very – I'm a big fan of baked beans. Yes. Um, But I wasn't sure how they would go with eggs, and they were were really good. I was – especially they mixed with the hash browns really well. That has made my my weekend pure (laughs) now because John had asked as an English man – what goes into an, a, a full a full English breakfast, a fried breakfast? So I had to give what I thought would go into it, and I was uh, pleased as punch to see John's interpretation was just as good as a greasy cafe in uh, in Essex or South London. So the, the question is, did you enjoy it as a whole? I I did very much. I actually was like full for like the whole day too. Like full English. Oh man, I was you know um, like lunchtime rolled around. I was like, you know what? I think I'm okay. Uh, <laughs> It's not something you'd have probably weekly, though. <laughs> yeah, no. And, I mean, it, it was – I actually uh, – I, I make breakfast almost every morning. Like, I do, like, two eggs and a little hash browns. That's usually it. Um, so not a, as big a breakfast as I had this morning. But um, I've never uh, blown a fuse in my kitchen, like, the 10 years that I've lived here. And I did this morning because I had so many things going. Like, I was making my coffee. I had the beans. Um, I actually repurposed beans because we had beans for dinner last night. So I used those. Um, so I was heating that up Could in use? the microwave. And then I, I put toast in the toaster, and that was apparently the kicker. Uh, so I did, I did burn my toast, which is crazy because I didn't mess up anything else, but I managed to burn the toast because it started to toast, then the fuse blew. And then when I put the toast back in to toast the rest of the way, I forgot to turn the heat down. And so, yeah, yeah. uh, You are spinning plates when you're making it. Same with with any large meal, but when it's something as important as a full English breakfast, every component has to be spot on. So you literally have to have a Gantt chart to try and work out what what goes on and when. But uh, I'm very pleased that you actually managed to get out and try it. It makes makes my English heart flutter. 
yeah, I, I'm a fan of uh, trying different foods and uh, different styles of foods, I guess, because technically everything I eat is very normal American foods, just not always together. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I really, I, I next time I do it though, I am gonna. Uh, I didn't buy the Heinz baked beans, which I read is like the staple. Is that yes, usually it is? Um, so I had uh, Bush's baked beans. Um, but they were really good, I, I will say. Uh, but I, I am gonna, I want to go full official next time. Um, uh, well, on the flip side, just very quickly, then, what would be uh, a traditional U.S. breakfast for an English guy like me to have? I'm guessing, I don't know for a fact, but um, I'm assuming biscuits and gravy are not a popular thing over there. <laughs> no, I've never heard of it. Yeah. Okay. So uh, it's a sawmill gravy. So it's a white gravy, very heavy okay. with pepper, and usually has sausage in it, um, and it's. Poured over a biscuit, uh, usually buttermilk, fatty, horribly bad for you biscuit, but so so tasty. Um, and then uh, grits are grits popular in uh, Europe? No, I know of them through, through cooking shows, but no, uh-huh. it's not something that we have over here. Yeah, I thought that was more of an American thing. So that those would be the two things that I think are kind of staple American breakfast foods, especially from the South. Um, I am technically southern because i live in florida and we are the south but florida has this weird because we have disney and universal and and we're, we're more of a tourist melting pot part of the south we're not traditionally considered the south um and my family was from new york so i did not grow up on either one of those two food items i just listed for you but assimilated <laughs> to them um as i made friends or i would say at a friend's house and they'd be like you want biscuits and gravy and i'm like what now what's happening <laughs> what <laughs> I, I eat frosted flakes that's my breakfast what are you talking about biscuits <laughs> and gravy but um yeah biscuits and gravy are delicious they are super bad for you like the, they have to be easily one of the fattiest things you could eat for breakfast outside of like pancakes and french toast or waffles but um Oh, and chicken and waffles. A very, I think that's an American thing. Um, although that's become really trendy now, so that might just be everywhere. But uh, it has infiltrated yeah. the United Kingdom. I thought so. It's it's a hipster trend now. So, <laughs> well, I've never tried it, but I will try biscuits and gravy. So, as uh, for me, that just sounds like a digestive with bisto on it. Um, for for the English viewers, you you will also grimace with me, but it sounds interesting but i will give it to uh make it and i will give you photographic evidence there you go i think um chip beef toast is a british meal is that is that wrong is that not a british thing um i don't I think i've not. heard of it i've, I've heard okay. of beef paste on toast and things like that but well it's a chip beef is like it's chunks of beef in a white sauce that is a technically a gravy i was thinking that might be the closest thing to sausage biscuits and gravy but probably not um, but yeah, that sawmill gravy, the the white gravy with the pepper in it, very popular in southern cooking. It's on like uh, country fried steak or chicken fried chicken, um, which might chicken sound crazy. Fried chicken, yeah, sounds like something from The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a real thing though. It's on menus. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, um, I, I I'm a fan of that gravy for sure. It's one of my my favorites. I love a good chicken fried chicken or a chicken fried steak or country fried steak is another way of saying it. But um, yeah, it's it's a good gravy and it's really good on the on a uh, biscuit. So yeah, if, man, I'd say look it up. It's definitely easy to make. It's uh, it's got to be flour, water, and and pepper, like and <laughs> and maybe salt or something. But it's uh, I mean, you can get the instant made too. But if you're gonna go for it, you know, go for it. Go whole hog, yeah. Well, I will do it. Like I said, I will send a picture across and fingers crossed, it's as good as you say it is. Yep. See, we're not just talking about movies here, people. We're talking about culture. So. <laughs> Um, this is the podcast that we look back at the month prior and the films that came out during the month. So we're going to be looking at June 2018 uh, this month, which 
one of the issues with doing this podcast, uh, Transatlantic, is that movies come out at different times, and there were yes. two this month. One that happened to uh, The Unusual, where it came out for you first, um, was Jurassic World. Now, luckily, it did come out here with time for me to see it, but you got to see it like two weeks before I did. Yes, um, and it must have been, like we've had with another film, it must have been pretty hard going online and not seeing any spoilers whatsoever for it, or even just plot points. Yeah, it was everywhere I turned because they were like, Jurassic World's dinosaurs, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, stop it. Like, it's in the headlines. You can't spoil things in the headlines. That's cruel. But, um, yeah, I, I was not thrilled about that. But then Incredibles 2, which we should be reviewing this month for the States, we're going to hold off and talk about uh, in more detail next month because it was delayed thanks to the uh, – the what's that sport called? It's popular – your fa- it's soccer, your favorite sport. Oh, that's right, soccer. Yes, the World Cup is going on. Yes, that's right. United States didn't qualify for once, but it is still going on. Ah, uh, see, I, I didn't even know that. <laughs> but <laughs> well, there you go. I, it doesn't feel like most of my friends that watch it, and I have several who are like crazy about soccer. Um, they don't root for America, anyways. They're all rooting for different countries. So, I yeah, yeah who knows? I quite uh, enjoy the United States teams because i know the female team is what is the best in the world and the men's team is very talented but just wasn't their year this year but obviously i follow england but anyway I, I i watch every game i can and just enjoy it yeah i have a friend who uh who was recording the games and um w- you know was watching them like he was avoiding scores all day and then would watch them when he got home that evening and i guess he started to watch one and somehow hit a button on his remote that jumped to the end <laughs> and so he saw the score and was like devastated apparently and was like really upset and his wife messaged me the next day and she's like hey I want you to help me play a prank on on my husband I'm like okay what's up she's like just send him I think it was uh Scandinavia I can't believe Scandin- Scandinavia won by two and so I went along I messaged him immediately not knowing about that the mistake from the night before where he saw the score without wanting to and I thought the prank was that I was watching the World Cup because I don't watch the World Cup. So <laughs> I sent him like, dude, I can't believe Scandinavia won by two. And she messaged me back a few minutes later. She's like, I already ruined it. I couldn't stop laughing because he was so mad. Because <laughs> and then I got really worried. I was like, did you check to make sure that wasn't the actual score before I said it? Because <laughs> if he watched the match and that was the score, I would have be... been popular. No, I'd be dead. And that's what I was like. <laughs> I didn't know what we were doing. I feel like I should have asked more questions <laughs> before I volunteered. That's what soccer does to people. Soccer slash football. Yeah, but um, the Incredibles 2 delayed a whole month uh, so that people can watch soccer, um, which I guess is important. But, you know, it's out here in the States and making tons of money. So I think they would have been okay if they released it in the UK. But this is, It was a silly... I the, the games are on during during the evening but like you say over here just like if we're at most places in the world you can just record things and go back to watch it so i can't imagine there would be any particularly huge problem in the box office at all yeah i i think it would have been fine i mean it's it's yeah. tracking right now to be the number two movie of the summer um well, and with jurassic world looking like a, the third place um pending any surprises that we don't see coming i mean ant-man and the wasp could like suddenly kick up a notch but if it follows their last one it won't and then i guess there's still the chance for um you know those random movies i mean mission impossible 2 uh not mission i'm sorry it's mission impossible 6 but uh 
yeah, but uh, it could make a lot of money. But usually they they were they're modest. They make a decent chunk, but not. They've never taken the summer. Top um, tier, yeah. Yeah, and there's a few surprises out there. A uh, couple movies that I didn't know were coming out this summer that could maybe like if they hit the right audience. I think Hereditary did way better than anyone expected box office wise. Certainly um, against budget, yeah. Yeah. So, and Eighth Grade comes out here in two weeks, which I'm very excited to see a, a second yeah. time. Mamma Mia comes out soon. Oh yeah. Hopefully that, that makes money for me. <laughs> yeah, uh, if you don't know, listeners, uh, Matt and I uh, partook in one of my other podcasts, Top 5 Movies, um, Summer Movie Challenge. And so it was Matt, Corey, Mike, myself, and Craig from Music Musing. Uh, we all drafted the summer movies, and we earned points by their box office and their critical acclaim on Metacritic.com. And currently, I am winning by a whole lot. <laughs> Simply because of the Avengers Infinity War, um, and because uh, Solo did not do as well as either of us expected. I think you and I both thought Solo would make tons of money, and it did not. I thought the Star Wars brand would carry that to uh, at least sort of seven to eight hundred million worldwide, and Mm -hmm. where was I wrong? Yeah, and there's no way anyone could have predicted it being that low. I mean, if Disney had predicted it, they definitely wouldn't have released it in May, you know, um... I think that was a huge mistake. That's the first Star Wars film we've got since The uh, Force Awakens in the summer, and it did not pay mm-hmm. off. They should have kept it in December, which seems to be their, their sweet spot where there's like nothing, there's no real competition. Um, it's the end of the year. It's been a year since our last Star Wars movie. Here, we only had six months. And while I, I didn't have the issues that a lot of people had with Solo, it definitely didn't get people in the box office to even have an opinion about it, and that's that's shocking. Exactly. When we spoke about Solo last month, and I'll reiterate that it's a, it's a good fun action film. It didn't need to be the best Star Wars film. It didn't need to make two billion dollars, but it, as a film and what it brings to the story and just how fun it is, it does deserve a bit more. I think. Agreed. Yeah, for sure. I I wish it had done better. Um, hopefully it'll have a good home video showing though, and people give it a yeah. chance. Because um, I, I, I don't think it's bad. Like, I don't think it's amazing either, but I don't think it's bad. And um, I can see why some people might not like it. But I think, you know, if you're just a Star Wars fan, not one of those people who say you're a Star Wars fan but seem to be really toxic, but yeah. an actual fan of it, I think you will find a lot of joy in Solo. Which would be me, and I did. Yep. Um, but this month... We're going to be talking about um, one, two, three, four, five, six movies that Matt and I have seen, as well as maybe a few things that we've watched on our own. Um, if you've never listened to Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, first off, welcome. Uh, we do not spoil these movies. These are reviews just based on our cursory uh, information, no spoilers. Uh, at least we try really hard not to. Um, <laughs> a couple I don't of think these... we spoiled anything yet, I don't think. I don't think so, but th- there's a couple movies on this month's list that I think you could potentially spoil even if you don't mean to like just um because again what a person defines as a spoiler is different right like some people don't want to know anything they don't watch trailers they don't read anything about the movie they go in as blind as possible which is good yeah it i i tried that for a while but i like to get to the theater early enough to pick my seats um because we don't not my local theater doesn't have reserved seating so i like to get there early enough so i'm going to see the trailers and that just means i'm going to have to one i'll see the same trailer 16 times before the movie comes out and then um i'm you know i just kind of accepted that and deal with it but um 
so will you, if if you're a person who likes to go in completely blind, you should probably stop listening unless you've seen all the movies that we're going to talk about. Um, Agreed. Otherwise, we will be careful not to spoil endings or any major plot points. Again, some things we might say and incidentally spoil it. I know I've heard people say um, referring to a film ha- the fact that a film has a twist is a spoiler. Just saying, like blank movie has a oh. twist at the end. So if that's you, I can't promise we won't spoil that type of thing, but we won't spoil specific details about the films. Yeah, the most we will go into is a plot synopsis, which obviously is intended to not spoil anything, but yeah, it's as spoiler-free as it can be. It may allude to a twist, it may allude that there's moments in it which will shock you or upset you or make you laugh, but you know, that, that that's what we do here. We will never try and intentionally spoil it, but as JB says, if you want to go in completely blind, then go see the film come back on and listen once as soon as you get back home mm-hmm. and with the, the movies that we're going to be watching some of these are going to be still in theaters and others will already be heading to home video soon so um this is a good way of kind of judging what you missed and should you bother to rent it from your local <laughs> establishment or on vod or however you're watching your movies um and or should you rush out and see it in the theater before it's too late because i know for like for the u.s uh finding a drift in a theater is going to be a lot harder for us than it will be for the UK where it just came yes. out. Um, but why don't we uh, get started, Matt? What's the first movie we're going to talk about? The first movie uh, of this month is Upgrade, directed by Lee Wanell and starring Logan Marshall Green, Betty Gabriel, Harrison Gilbertson, and Melanie Vallejo. And it is the synopsis is set in the near future where technology controls nearly every aspect of life. But when Grey, which is Logan Marshall Green, a self-identified technophobe has his world turned upside down. His only hope for revenge is an experimental computer chip implant called STEM. Um, the first thing I've got to say about this film is I first saw Logan Marshall Green in The Invitation, which was a pretty good mm-hmm. thriller horror film a few years back now. And he looked like Revenant Tom Hardy then, and he still looks like Tom Hardy now. So <laughs> when you watch it, you may get confused that we're not watching Tom Hardy, but... He's a, yeah, he's Grey Trace. He's an analog man in a digital world. Everything is digitalized as it is nowadays. So already, there's you can probably tell where the message in this film is going to be and mm-hmm. what the overarching theme is. But as I mentioned, there is there's a gap, there's a moment in the film where obviously as it, you know things the story takes a drastic change, and it's then where Upgrade kind of changes pace very quickly. This is a this is a violent film. It's yeah, engaging. It's, it's quite intelligent and what I, what I liked about it was this it, it has the kind of classic feel of sci-fi to it like the throwback feel but there's something about it that I thought was quite refreshing about Upgrade uh, I don't know if you agree with that or not but there's something about it which it kept me very engaged in this film yeah I um I first heard about this while I was at South by um mm-hmm. I, I was standing in line to see something and I heard two guys behind me talking about Upgrade which it was one of the midnight showing films at at South by Southwest, and I had I, I skipped all the midnight showings because it was just really late and I wasn't really familiar with my area and I was having to also write four to five reviews every day so I needed some sleep, um, so I skipped the midnight things and uh, I but I remembered hearing these guys talk about like how they they were really pleasantly surprised by it and they thought it was really interesting and they said it got distribution, um, so. Th- when I saw it on our list for the summer movie wager, I was like, okay, cool. It's coming out during the summer. It probably won't come to my theater though. Cause we don't usually get a lot of the smaller indie films. 
so I was really shocked and happy when we did. We we actually got it, and um, so I went off to see it, and I was completely uh, unsure of what I was getting into. I knew it was a sci-fi film. Um, I didn't realize who the lead was until I saw him, and I was like, oh, I know that guy. And I saw the invitation as well. He was also in Spider-Man Homecoming um, yes. as the Shocker. And then um, he's in Prometheus, which isn't necessarily a good thing. I don't know how you feel about Prometheus. I don't even remember him being in Prometheus. Yeah, I didn't either. I'm just looking at his IMDb. I'm like, oh, I guess he's in a bunch of stuff. But um, I really loved him in this. And I also really liked the invitation, too. Uh, but I, I thought he was a really great lead. And I thought what he has to do in this movie is insane because the yeah. it's it's again it can't go into too much but there are the way the fight scenes are shot he has to be a certain way that looks unnatural yet he has to do it naturally and he nails it and i'm really i was really impressed by the visuals in this film there was one violent moment early like when like the first like big action fight sequence Mm -hmm. where i like exclaimed out loud like just like oh my god because it was so out of nowhere and so violent and brutal yeah yeah and for an indie film to be able to pull off those type of practical effects was impressive and um i did feel like it was refreshing it was completely different than what we've been getting it 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 had that kind of like the old school 80s like uber violent movies that you would get from like um almost b-film level of like violence but with some interesting sci-fi stuff in it and um definitely a message right that is relevant today like themes that you can pull that you're like oh well that's clearly a a message on this or his opinion on that and i i thought i just thought it was a fun movie like i had a really you know entertaining time with it um i thought narratively he does a really good job of keeping the story interesting, mm-hmm. um, easy to follow, and never quite exactly what you think is happening. Um, every time you think you have a good grip on it, I feel like it it shifts a little. It's not like crazy dramatic shifts where it's like, you know, it doesn't make sense. It's just these little like, oh, I thought they were saying this, but really it was this little thing over here. And I just was, I was really impressed when I walked out. I was just like, wow, I really like that movie. So... Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. There's, it kind of keeps like half a step ahead of you. It's not like Alex Garland type style of machinations mm-hmm. going on, but yeah. the story is it. It had to, like I mentioned, it's an engaging, compelling story. I've heard comparisons. You may have seen this as well of RoboCop slash Death Wish kind of hybrid type yeah, film. Yes, I was when Did I was saying with that? totally when I was saying like the eighties action RoboCop mm-hmm. was what was in my head. Um, yeah. yeah, totally can can see that and. Um, not quite to the level of uh, social commentary, I think, that you get in RoboCop, but definitely, there's definitely some commentary being made. Yeah, I mean, well, absolutely, who's in, who's in control of this world, basically, is a mm-hmm. huge kind of thing we look at, but I thought there was also a, a decent spattering of humour in this film, it didn't always work, but oh, yeah. it, there was, it wasn't just full-on, so, deep sci-fi, um, getting entrenched with everything going on and the emotion and the gravity that they forgot to add any kind of levity in. and I thought there was some pretty decent uh, gags most of it comes from Marshall, uh, Logan Marshall Green his his lead man is to cut he's a fairly snarky lead type character mm-hmm. so he kind of has the majority of those lines but yeah. I think he's very good in it he's he's kind of kind of escaped a lot of attention I think like Marshall, Logan Marshall Green like I said I didn't even realise he's in Prometheus the invitation I only heard of because it was on Netflix 
I forgot he was Shocker in Spider-Man Homecoming. It's not because he's a bad actor, but the, I mean, I think he's the kind of guy who's we're just waiting to see break out. I think slightly. And this yeah. this film can only help him because I had a blast with this film. It was it will probably be, it will certainly be in the top echelons of my films of the year certainly so far but I just like you mentioned it it kept me engaged which is all I want in a film whether it's a horror comedy period drama whatever as long as I can sit there and get drawn into the story that's all I want and I got that from it so I had some fun with it I was yeah I was shocked at it a few times there was there's a lot of violence in it so if you are averse to mm-hmm. um, well brutality then be, be warned there is a fair bit in this film but no on the whole I I really enjoyed this and this is a film I only heard of via that fantasy draft I believe it was Michael who picked my upgrade uh, actually I think Craig pulled that Craig, one sorry, yeah. pulled that one but I hadn't heard of it until he until he'd mentioned it so I then went to research it mm-hmm. and I was quite looking forward to seeing it and thankfully my expectations were met and more yeah I, I went in slightly apprehensively that it wouldn't be what I wanted it to be and I, I didn't really know what I wanted it to be but um, it definitely it, it worked for me in almost every way and I, I found the humor uh, very I, I am a snarky humor person so the mm-hmm. snarkiness that he does I thought was really well executed and I laughed a few times for sure um, and I, I am a fan of uh, old school action like especially martial arts type action and I thought that was pretty great and even the way they shoot those sequences are really really strong um, yeah I, I was pleasantly surprised i'm actually i think i'm gonna end up buying this one um when it comes out because i i do think it's something i could just throw on in the background and kind of have on watch those action sequences and like work around you know those other moments which are engaging and entertaining the whole time but you know once you know them you can do other stuff yeah i can see this building up i don't say well oh well, i'm gonna say a cult following type film because it's never this, this film isn't going to smash any records i don't think Mm-mm. it's not going to be acclaimed at the end of the year rightly or wrongly it's just going to be it's going to fly under the radar but I think it's going to get picked up by movie fans and it'll be held up as a very decent indie sci-fi film in years going forward yep I agree um it's funny because we're starting with uh, another film this film was from South By it got picked up got distribution (laughs) and is very very counter programming to the rest of the summer movies in a lot of ways um and the next movie is also uh, very counter-programming, although this debuted at Sundance um, and went to South By, which I had tickets to see, and I didn't make it to because they delayed the start thanks to Ready Player One. Um, John this, was actually hiding underneath his covers. I was terrified. No, I did. Um, <laughs> I got to see this at a critic screening, though, and I think I talked about this last month um, because I was able to see it last month. Yes, you alluded to it and teased. Mm-hmm. But I knew you weren't going to be able to. So we're going to look at Hereditary, um, directed by Ari Aster, also written by, and this is his debut feature film, which is definitely something to note. Um, uh, stars Tony Collette, uh, Millie Shapiro, Gabriel Byrne, Alex Wolf, and I really think the only name that we have to mention outside of those four is not there. She is Anne Dowd. Um, Anne Dowd should be way higher on the list on the credits, in my opinion. But. Um, after the family matriarch passes away, a grieving family is haunted by tragic and disturbing occurrences and begin to unravel dark secrets. That is about the most ambiguous plot synopsis <laughs> ever, um, and it is well-deserved because it is a movie, um, even if you've seen the trailer, I don't think you truly know what you're getting into other than a horror movie. And it is listed as a drama horror mystery on IMDb, which I find interesting um, because there is there's definitely some drama um, 
I, I took my 14-year-old daughter with me to see this at her first... This was the first critic screening I've taken her to. And um, we both loved it. Uh, there were people behind me. Uh, so one of them was a critic. I don't know which one, if it was the guy or the girl. And honestly, I'm not sure which one screamed a few times during the movie. And uh, I'm not sure which one said F this movie when it ended. <laughs> but uh, that was my experience. And I was in a very small crowd. I think maybe 15 people. I, I really wish I'd gone back to see this in the theater with a uh, normal, like, full-size crowd to hear how people reacted. Um, there were... This movie I saw almost a month ago. I think it is a month ago. And it, I still have strong, vivid visuals in my head from this movie as it has just buried itself into my psyche. And um, I, I think Tony Collette deserves an Academy Award nomination for this film. Mm-hmm. Um, I am... Uh, severely impressed with Alex Wolf and um, the man if you like horror and you've skipped hereditary for some reason you owe it to yourself to go watch this movie now it's not when I say do you like horror I don't mean one specific type of horror because this yeah. isn't going to be mainstream populist like slasher flick it is not blood and gore um, this is psychological uh, and and other things but definitely psychological um, but it's a brilliant film. There's so much here if you're a film person to appreciate, like the use of light, um, the use of sound. I mean, just it's it's such a brilliant film in so many ways to me. Um, I don't get any negative criticism, although there have been some. Um, I loved it, and while uh, it's it's necessary to note, this movie is getting compared to Matt's favorite film, um, The Exorcist. Matt does not. <laughs> agree um but i do think you have some positive things to say about it yeah i do i I, it's interesting you mentioned the audience reaction because that's something i will mention i'll leave it till the end of this particular review because oh wow i have some things to say about that but in terms of the exorcist yes it is my favorite film for many reasons and in my review i listed there's many similarities that between these films that that there are the images which stick with you they look great, they sound great, they're fantastically acted. So when you list them together, you think, well, that's where the comparisons start. And surely that carries on, but it didn't... To me, it's not on the same level, and I mean that with with no bias whatsoever, because I'm, I'm not a... You know, I'm not blinkered. I can see flaws in everything. To me, it didn't hit that same level of The Exorcist, but this was still a very, very good horror film there is a brilliant mix i think of horror drama mystery and thriller and what's what's even better is they blend it so well together Mm -hmm. it's not it doesn't feel like four different genres fighting to 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 become the prevalent genre it is it's what i think about what i find about this film is it's kind of like the equivalent of having a shotgun pressed to your head and and you can hear the the trigger very slowly being pressured and taken off again you you, you're just sitting there gripping for the most part, because it does. It, the film starts fairly quickly, and by that I mean that it doesn't take long to get into the crux of what's happening and for the tension to ramp up. And the tension is what keeps this film going, because like you mentioned, Tony Collette is superb in this film. She really channels Shelley Duvall in The Shining, I think, with mm. how she acts and how she comes across. But if she doesn't get any kind of recognition, or at least... If, if her name's not even in the mix for a nomination come this come next year, then 
the academy needs to really look at what it considers a fantastic performance because everything she brings to this story is just smacks of genuine and authenticity at no point does it feel like she's acting or hamming it up if you will no and i enjoyed alex wolf millie shapiro is creepy as anything yes in this film but yeah like john said there are images in this film which will absolutely you know they will haunt you there's moments of so it's very hard to talk about this film without going into any detail but Mm -hmm. it grips you it suffocates you and strangles you now there are parts during a film which are divisive and i know that myself and joby don't fully agree on certain parts of the film and yeah that is what i had in my screening it was this this film this is the worst film i've ever seen in the cinema with an audience and that's not the film that's the audience i saw it with it was um unbelievable there were people talking like shouting at the screen throughout the film jesus um openly and this again there's no sport it's openly laughing because you know what some people are like and just making it just an awful 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 experience and as the film went on and on and on the people were talking and shouting and screaming at the cinema at the screen even more and it just was the worst experience i've ever had in a film but in a cinema but that isn't detriment to the film's quality that's just the absolute vagrants who are in my screen but the film if you like horror films go out and watch it because this is the real deal but what mm. i will say is when when you're when you're told this is the scariest film of all time it will be it's the greatest horror film of all time on those kind of on those warnings i would temper your expectations slightly yes. if you expect it to be the greatest of all time but do believe the hype because this is a fabulous horror film yeah hyperbole is a is a real thing when it comes to uh like movies like this where people Thanks who are social media as well yeah it's easy to say it's the scariest of all time that is obviously very subjective um yeah. don't don't go in expecting to be blown away but go in uh you know prepared to be scared and um i mean i don't this isn't a spoiler the very first thing you see in the movie is an obituary um it's white text on a black screen and it's an obituary and i don't think i've ever <laughs> seen a movie start that way and it, it, I mean, to me, that immediately sets the tone of this film. Like, we're dealing with loss and so much more. Um, and that's, like you said, it's hard to talk about this film in any detail and it not be a type of spoiler. Um, the trailers do a pretty good job of just kind of showing you the, the mood and tone, but not not yeah. revealing narrative. Um, so if you're, if you're one, maybe you're not sure how you feel about horror, watch the trailer. If the trailer's too much for you, maybe sit this one out. Um. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned part, um, how it the kind of visual because the, the what the trailer shows you is is moments in the film, but what it doesn't show you is how just well crafted this film is. Some of the shots in this film are unbelievable. Just transitional shots or mm-hmm. just general visuals, cinematography wise, are superb to look at. So it's not just something which will have you run into the bathroom a few times. It also looks apart. And the score is nasty. So yeah, it every every sense it can other than smell, which actually depends on your tolerance for horror films. But it, it will attack every sense. And it, if you are of a nervous disposition or just don't like horror films, this will well mess you up. Yeah, I, I concur. Um, definitely. But, it did, but film... sorry, just, it didn't feel like shock for shock. For, just just for the sake of it, though, it all felt um, organic to the story. I think for the most part. Agreed. Uh, I I thought. I thought it was great. I did have I've heard a few friends 
um, criticize some of the the choices made late in the film, but I won't mm-hmm. discuss what. But uh, I have heard some mixed reviews on the uh, the end. Um, I I was one of them. Yeah, and I, I'm I liked how it ended. Uh, I, you know, I don't think it's perfect or anything necessarily at the end, but um, I've seen movies end way worse, I guess. And oh, so, absolutely. Uh, I was content, but. Um, and it should note, this is an A24 film, and I do tend to like them. However, mm-hmm. uh, The Witch, which came out, I think, three years ago, um, was another A24 horror film that got a lot of praise critically that I've, I've not been able to get into. Um, I think there's some really great stuff in the movie. Like, it's uh, the costuming's great, the setting's great, the casting's great, but the story and the ending, I really just did not care for. Um, but, you know, so I'm not a complete A24 fanboy, although I do tend to like what they've done, but... Um, you know, just for, for my own peace of mind, I feel like I got to disclose that, but, um, all right, that's Hereditary. What's up next? Next after Hereditary is a reimagining of a movie that was already reimagined. It's Ocean's 8, uh, directed by Gary Ross and starring, what a cast, Sandra Bullock, Kate Blanchett, Anne Hathaway, Mindy Kaling, Sarah Paulson, Aquafina, Rihanna, Helena Bonham Carter, and Richard Armitage is in there. Uh, and this is Debbie Ocean, Sandra Bullock, gathers an all-female crew to attempt an impossible heist at New York City's yearly Met Gala. So, we all know the Ocean's trilogy. Steven Soderbergh, George Clooney, Brad Pitt, and who, the who's who of uh, of the acting mm-hmm. uh, family back then. This is, as we said, it's now been changed up. It's an all-female cast, which, if you don't like that, sucks to be you. But what a talented <laughs> cast. It's a, it's a very diverse cast. And I like the fact that they've gone this way because they it's tied in with the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. That's what the original trilogy, original Ocean's trilogy. There's Easter eggs all throughout. There's so many cameos, and the film starts very decent. I think it's got a really good first half when they're when the band's getting together, and we get to meet all of the characters and what their specific set of skills are. And when the and when these characters are played by, again, Kate Blanchett. Anne Hathaway, Helena Bonham Carter, and it's Sarah Paulson. It's, it's just set up for some fantastic moments. Anne Hathaway, I think, is the she's the she's the VIP of this film. I think she's yeah. marvelous. Sandra Bullock is she she's Sandra Bullock, Bullock levels of good in this film. She's she just she just has the chops to pull off the George Clooney type role, if you will. Mm. So so well. Helena Bonham Carter's great. Kate Sharp Blanchett is good. James Corden appearing as a massive no-no because I can't stand the guy. Oh, but I really don't like James Corden. I've mentioned it before. It's, <laughs> there's a, there's a campaign in the UK for him to stay out there in the states, but oh um, man, that's a story for another time. But cast aside, because it's a cast that needs no introduction. I think the, yeah, so the first half's very good. I think it wavers in the second half. I think it falls apart slightly because I don't think the writing's sharp enough to 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 remain consistently good throughout. Um, it's it's a very slick looking film as you'd expect. It doesn't mm-hmm. always work. It's a lot of fun. There's some good fun and the cameo, uh, the chemistry, sorry, between the actresses uh, works for me. So a lot does yeah. work, but crucially, I think the writing lets it down and the some of the moments that happen along the way do are slightly contrived, I think. But but yeah. in terms of the Oceans franchise, I think it holds up extremely well compared to the the other three well gary ross um definitely tries to follow the soderbergh formula for these Mm -hmm. movies 
Um, and it's definitely clear that it's not Soderbergh doing it, but it's, you know, it's in the vein. It's in the ballpark. It's not as he good. It. Yeah, as he did. But I mean, as yeah. far as like the actual structure and stuff, because Soderbergh established a very interesting structure that he used in the Oceans films. I, I, I haven't seen Oceans 12 or 13, but I hear 12 is very different than 11. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, but he reused that formula in Logan Lucky. Um, almost exactly like the way he tells the story is almost identical to the ocean story um, and it is a heist movie as well and uh, you see it here and so if you've seen those films there are definitely elements that are predictable but um, it's enjoyable I had a really good time with this movie um, I brought my wife with me uh, we laughed we enjoyed the film I, I definitely you know there's definitely problems and I, I agree I think the first half is the strongest part yeah. but I often feel that way with heist movies. I love the team building sequences. They're a lot of times the most fun, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, the heist itself is is there. It, it works. Um, it's it's predictable to a, a degree, but it, yeah. enjoyable, predictable. Um, I've heard. Uh, I think the slash film cast guys said this. Uh, that do you think it's called Ocean's Eight so they can do a trilogy and not not overlap any of the numbers? So it's Ocean's Eight, Nine, Ten. And then you'll have 11, 12, 13. Um, and that seems likely. And considering this movie's done very well at the box office, um, and it's one of my picks this year uh, for the summer draft. So yes. I, I'm pretty happy with it. It's doing well. Um, it's, you know, critically, it's fine. And uh, money-wise, it's, it's done better than I think I, uh, a lot of people expected. Um, yeah, I think in terms of the numbering of the films, the film ties in well with the, the Ocean's original Ocean Trilogy, chronologically, nine, eight, nine, and ten wouldn't work, I don't think, because of obviously what what we felt, what we what we know about the story and what 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 the story tells us in the film. But it could be. But I know they are setting. I know Sandra Bullock has said they are interested in doing a sequel, and I think she said mm-hmm. that before the film was released anyway. But oh, if there was a sequel released, I think the best thing I could say about the film was I'd definitely go and watch a sequel because I was entertained by this film. Yes, mm-hmm. it's predictable, but it. So were so were some of the parts of the Oceans films, yeah. And I'd happily go and see this band get back together again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I will watch pretty much anything that Sandra Bullock is in, Helena Bonham Carter, the superb Anne Hathaway, Kate Blanchett. I'll anything there is. I'll say, um, I I also thought Anne Hathaway kind of seals the show. Mainly, she gets to do a lot of the comedy in the movie. Yes. Um, her character, she's playing against type, which was great. Um, but. Uh, the surprise to me was how strong Sarah Paulson was with these other women. Because while I've always thought Sarah Paulson a, a great actress, she's from American Horror Story. She did the O.J. Simpson uh, TV mm-hmm. series, and um, she's done a few movies. But I really thought with this cast, she is not the less the least known. I would say Aquafina and Rihanna are the least you know celebrated actresses in the film. Yes. But I think when you look at the big five. Paulson is right in there and she's crushing it in this movie. And I thought she really did a good job of like standing next to, to Sandra Bullock or standing next to Anne Hathaway or standing next to Kate Blanchett and being able to be Sarah Paulson, like not being overshadowed or anything. And I was really impressed with her. Um, Mindy Kaling, I wish got a little more to do in the film, yes. but the moment she has, I think she, she does a really good job. She's, uh, really charming in this film and that's a lot of times not the character she's played um like in the office she was always supposed to be a little obnoxious and i thought here i was actually like rooting for her and i'm like yeah you you deserve this you you deserve to have a moment where you're not like annoying and obnoxious but i i really 
um, had a great time with this film. Like, I don't, again, um, I, I, I am not a super huge fan of the original Ocean's trilogy, but I love Ocean's Eleven. And I, I wasn't prompted enough to watch the other films, um, but I, I was really late to the party on it, too. I didn't see it until a few years ago, like three or four years ago. And um, I was kind of told to skip the others, although I'm kind of wanting to watch 12 because I've heard what 12 is. And now I kind of want to see it because it sounds so much different than the 11. Um, but mm-hmm. 8 uh, definitely feels like a female version of 11, but done really, really well. And I think um, it's impossible to look at this movie and not compare it to the female Ghostbusters because of the internet backlash that the female Ghostbusters movie had. Um, while I had issues with that movie, it wasn't because it was an all-female cast. My biggest issue with the film was that they made it a reboot. And I think they could have built it into a continuation um, simply by taking a throwaway line from, I think, Ghostbusters 1 or 2 where they talk about franchising the Ghostbusters. (laughs) That's all you needed was this was a new franchise set in a different city instead of New York, put it in Chicago or something like that, and let it be that all the stuff from the 80s happened and this is just a new branch. And I think you have a better movie than what you ended up with. story-wise because there's so many cheesy things in that film like how they get their logo from the graffiti artist like all of that stuff was just too much you know um but i thought there were some good performances in that film where oceans eight i think not making it a straight reboot and having it that she's danny's sister and that you know this runs in the family we're all criminals that whole kind of running gag that goes through the film um, it adds a one. It added some backstory to her, even though we she's never mentioned. I don't think in the oceans movies. No. Um, so it's like, well, where what happened with, you know, why have you never been discussed? Because um, they sure talk about Danny a whole lot in this film. But yes, they do. I suppose you can't really say too much, but they 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 do talk about it. I think this film stands well by its, on its own though, as Ghostbusters. Oh. It does. Because well, I mean, we've meant, I've mentioned this film with so many Easter eggs and throwbacks and callbacks, but I think if you didn't know it's connected somehow, and you just saw this as a female heist film, well, just a heist film, doesn't matter if it's female, a heist film, I think it stands well by itself. Whereas the Ghostbusters mm-hmm. film, I think I had a lot more fun with that than most people did. But that does rely heavily on the brand. Whereas I know Ocean's Eight, they could have called it something else, but as it is a tie-in and a reimagining, it needed that. But I think it stands well on its own. I agree about um, Mindy Kaling. One of my main drawbacks on the film was some of the supporting cast didn't get as much time to shine yeah. as others. But my first question is, what did you think of Rihanna's performance? I, I liked it. Um, I, I've only seen her in... I saw her in Valerian, City of Ooh. a Thousand Planets, which I don't blame her for that, though. That movie was just an atrocity overall. Um Minus a few awesome sequences, but uh, overall that movie was really, really bad. Um, and I feel like I saw her in something else. I didn't see Battleship, so it wasn't that. She was in something else recently, I think, but I'm I'm just still stuck on um, Valerian at the minute. But I only mm. asked because in the lead-up to the film, there was there were a lot of people sort of mentioned, calling out Rihanna being in the film. Could they have not got somebody with more pedigree, blah, blah, blah. But I thought she was okay for what she did. She was one of the characters who didn't really get an awful lot to do, but she, yeah. I think she was okay of what she did. I'll tell um, you, Aquafina surprised me, though. I didn't, I didn't really know about her until Oceans. So, and she's going to be in the um, Crazy Rich Asians, I think, is what's coming out this August. Okay. Uh, she's one of the lead characters. Uh, my, my local Regal has been 
hammering that film uh, a lot as in terms of like they they have a special like Regal trailer where they're like hey Regal audiences blah 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 and so I've seen that way too many times but um, she's gonna be in that too and uh, I've I don't know if you know she's a rapper also she does like comedic rapping and she's, I know that now yes yeah, she's <laughs> really funny man like I've wa- I, I watched a few of her music videos on YouTube and it was cracking me up um, before Oceans came out and so I kind of went in already thinking she was funny. And I liked her. I thought her. she didn't get a lot to do, but the few moments she has, she's right there with her. And um, Helena Bottom Carter, I thought, played against type also because yes. uh, she's never been, like, so spastic where she's not. Yeah. yeah, she's, like, lacking self-esteem, which is definitely not. Usually she's overly confident, even when maybe she shouldn't be. It still kind of, like, reeks, like, this, you know, arrogance about her. Even, like, if you look at Fight Club. Um, her character is broken and damaged, but she puts on this front of being confident and being sure of herself. And uh, seeing her play that kind of twitchy, down-on-her-luck character, I thought was really, really cool. And, um, yeah, I, I I thought it was really fun. I had a really good time with that movie. I definitely recommend it if you just want a good... It's a good popcorn movie, right? Like, it's not going to blow your mind or anything like that, but it's enjoyable, super fun, uh, some really great performances, and again... Um, it's a, it's a, considering that it's a reimagining of a franchise that was already up and down, I think they did a pretty solid job with eight, with Oceans. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the original Oceans 11 was a reimagining of the 1960s, the Rat Pack version. Yep. Which had the, which had the, the coolest cats in the world in it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I agree with that. Sometimes you just, and I, it's not counterintuitive to say that sometimes you do just want a film where you can go in and enjoy. We have mentioned there's plot holes, you've mentioned there's things that don't work. But overall, this is a film that you can just go down, grab your biggest box of butter, popcorn, or whatever is your <laughs> sin, and just, just enjoy, enjoy yourself. It isn't perfect. I don't think it ever said it was. I'm sure they aimed for it, but it isn't. But it's still an awful lot of fun. I mean, I have to say... This was directed by Gary Ross, who directed probably JB's great favourite film, Sea Biscuit. Is that correct? It, it is, yes. Uh, I didn't know that he directed that. That's funny. Um, <laughs> yes, I mentioned that for the for the fourth show in a row because John hates horses. And just finally on this film, God damn, I love Anne Hathaway. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's move on from that statement. I think that's a good way to transition. <laughs> um, as you tag me in, sir, for our next movie, uh, which is Tag. Um, Tag is based on a true story of a small group of former classmates who organize an elaborate annual game of Tag that requires some to travel all over the country. Uh, Directed by Jeff Tomsick, uh, stars Jeremy Renner, Ed Helms, Jake Johnson, John Hamm, Lil Rel Howery, which I don't know, how are you not putting Hannibal Burris earlier on this list? Um, Hannibal Burris, Annabelle Wallace, and Isla Fisher. Um, A few other people show up in cameos. Steve Steve Berg is uh, the bartender who I recognize from stuff Rashida Jones shows up very late in the film um I don't think that's a spoiler Thomas Middleditch has a very small part but if you're a fan of Silicon Valley like myself um he is the the lead guy from that show um I I went in apprehensive about tag I'm a huge fan of John Hamm at this point um and I like Jake Johnson uh from what I've seen even like I saw the mummy last year you know whatever um, I, I thought Jake Johnson was pretty good in Jurassic World, even though he didn't get a whole lot to do. The f- first one, not Fallen Kingdom. Um, I haven't. I've watched episodes of New Girl. Not a huge fan of the show, but I, I, I find him funny at times. Um, Ed Helms, I have soured on over the years. Um, I think the more I see him, the more I'm kind of like I'm done with your shtick. Like just. 
go away. Um, <laughs> I am. I've been a huge advocate for Hannibal Burris in a lot of other films. Um, I thought in Daddy's Home One, he was the highlight of that movie. He made it enjoyable for me. Uh, he plays a, you know kind of a weird character there. Um, he's the cop in Neighbors, and I think in Neighbors Two. And he's uh, even in Spider-Man: Homecoming. He's the the gym coach who gets some of the funnier lines um, when he's interacting with the video from Captain America and stuff. And I generally like Hannibal Burris um, in most movies like that. And then Jeremy Renner, I like a lot of times. Um, overall, though, I found this film kind of boring, and I found myself more interested in the true story and wishing I were watching a documentary about the actual guys who do this. Um, I don't dislike this film. I just I, I a lot of the jokes fell flat for me. Um, there's a lot of physical humor that I didn't find to be that funny. Um, you know, a lot of times I feel like physical humor, if it's exaggerated and cartoonish, uh, doesn't work for me in my own mm-hmm. taste. And a lot of it was that. Um, and I thought it was odd that they seemed to borrow a Guy Ritchie element from the uh, his take on Sherlock Holmes with the slow motion action sequences narrated by the uh, the the person you know doing the action um which was cool but like a weird thing to borrow i thought um especially since guy Ritchie's kind of currently on a he, people are you know not not loving guy Ritchie right now so he's in a slump yeah but yeah that was my take on tag i i've got tag in the fancy draft so i'm i'm hoping this becomes a juggernaut at the box office but I, it's not going to but yeah, I agree. It's a thin story that stretched out for a bit too long. I I actually didn't mind this film to be honest. It's bit it's repetitive and it's just silliness throughout. Um, but I ended up being quite good fun. It's a fairly fairly sort of nice kind of uh, feeling that you can take away with it. All about friendship and uh, adult mm-hmm. life. And sort of being adults, but really wanted to just be kids like we used to be. So I took that from it, and it kind of made me think, man, I wish I could just go back to playing like I did in the playground. But it, the comedy when it doesn't work, it really clangs. When it does work, it's it it works. But yeah, I think they kind of dragged this story out for far too long, especially when they got such a good cast in there. Jeremy Renner, I like Jeremy. I like comedic Jeremy Renner. I like how, I also like how they yeah. pretty much typecast him as the as the action. You know the tough guy of the film. He's he's getting married in the film, so he's the he's the main man. Everybody wants to get at him. So there's that's the kind of I think the original story was a lot better. But I know, it's such a good. Like I said the cast is good. Ed Helms. I can see why you may have sort of gone south on him. It's funny you mentioned Jake Johnson because Annabelle Wallace is in this, who is also in the Mummy. So it just gave me horrible oh, flashbacks right. during this film. I like John Hamm, Lil Harry, who was an excellent part of Get Out. Yeah. It's also in this film, Isla Fisher, who, I mean, I remember seeing Isla Fisher about 20 years ago in an Australian soap we got over here. Oh. She's gone, she's gone on to do bigger and better things than that, but... Now I you see me. Oh, yes. <laughs> I wouldn't say this is a, uh, this is a wasted opportunity. I think this is, this is a, I think the movie itself is just a throwaway, basically, based yeah. on a cool story. It could have done with being a lot shorter it could have done with having another revision over the script and some of the gags but that said I did have a bit of fun with it and I think the the overarching spirit of the film was what I enjoyed more than the film itself 
See, that's interesting because um, we flipped on that with other movies in the past. Where I the the theme of like like a Wrinkle in Time, I think, was a good example of when where all of the negative things about the movie I was able to ignore because I was so latched onto the theme um, mm-hmm. that I could I could overlook the bad parts, and that didn't happen here. I do see it, and I do agree, and I think I really felt that way with John Hamm but there's so many things that like they're claiming this makes them really good friends but even in I I guess it would get into spoilers I don't know I question a lot about like the story that were presented now I don't know about the real life guys enough to know how much they actually like play tag um you know in their their rules but I, I I was definitely a little disappointed with um pieces of this film I, I wanted to think it was really funny and there were moments like Isla Fisher is like over the top competitive I thought she was funny even if it was a bit large at times like her performance went a little over the top but John yeah. Hamm I just find John Hamm to be uh, super charming and part of it isn't because of his characters that he plays it's um he does Doug Loves Movies podcast like way more than you would think because he's like he's John Hamm he's the guy from Mad Men he's like this charming you know consistently good yeah, and he's handsome as all get out. Like he doesn't need to do a live podcast where he answers movie trivia questions. But one, <laughs> he's good at it. He actually knows movies, and that makes me like him. Two, he's like a normal guy, and so I have that like attachment to him too. Is like I know not only is he a really great actor who's charming, but he's also like a really cool guy in real life, and that makes me like him all the more. So I think. It's definitely I am biased towards him. Like I think he wins me over instantly when he's in a film, and I, I did I like his character in the movie. I thought what he got to do was minimal. Ed Helms and Renner. Ed Helms is the lead for sure. Yeah, and I think that's maybe part where the story falls for me because he is, he's he's spastic. I, I I thought he was a little more subtle at times in this film than he's been in some other things. Like if you look at his performances in the Hangover movies, most of his funny moments are him yelling and freaking out you know and like being or losing a tooth yeah or losing a tooth um but that i don't know uh there's some cool moments uh i thought there were some good visuals in the film i was really disappointed with hannibal burris i think this was his weakest role and it's one of his bigger roles but i i every joke he left like laid fell flat for me especially the one that was in the trailer so technically a spoiler but it was in the trailer um with Renner locks himself in a kitchen and slides a little piece of paper out and they're like what is it a butt or is it a penis and then he's he says it's ice cream because he knows I'm lactose intolerant he's taunting me it's just like are you kidding like that's not funny to me like I don't know I know I've seen Hannibal Burris live like do stand-up he is a, a brilliant funny guy and a lot of his jokes just felt like he was playing like a dumb character and I didn't get why like uh, all of them are like successful smart people except for Jake Johnson um, and his character, not the actual person. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, all of them are like really successful of like one's a dentist. One is, um, you know, has like a, he's a CEO of a big or CFO or something of a big company. Renner has like his own chain of like, like gyms or something like yeah. they're all supposed to be like successful people. And we're Hannibal Burris' character is set up to be emotionally challenged i guess because we we first see him at his psychiatrist um being jealous over his girlfriend but it doesn't mean he's stupid and a lot of his jokes just come off as him kind of being detached and i don't know that's weak writing not necessarily burris's fault but 
uh, it, it just took the question out of my mouth that I was going to say would you put that down to the performance or the writing I would say the writing but yeah. I think you disagreed as well yeah yeah and it, but that's disappointing to me because I know what Burris can do I've seen him be brilliant in other movies mm-hmm. um, and I don't know he felt he also he felt a little checked out to me in this um, he is in Blockers too but he's got a really small part in Blockers but even I thought what he got to do in Blockers was better than what he got to do in Tag yeah definitely I think it's, this is a film which I really wanted to enjoy, not just because I have it in the draft, but I did enjoy it for the most part. But like I said, it just feels a bit throwaway. The original story is a lot more charming. It's a lot more fun. It's, the original story actually has more people involved in it, which makes it even more fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess the best thing I can say is the fact that it's based on a true story is actually just awesome. <laughs> there are people out there who do this annually. Yeah, but, um, as I a agree. Film, it. God, it, it could have worked it's not the worst film of the year but it could no. have worked better I think it could have been trimmed they could have done like I mentioned to revise the, revise the story chop and change some of the roles give more people more to do give certain people less to do make it funnier because you can make a film endearing but when it's clearly meant to be funny make it funny and I know that is a subjective term mm-hmm. but you know there are yeah there are ways of being funny which can appeal to more demographics and more types of people without having to resort to toilet jokes or genitalia jokes which I laugh at at the best of times but it doesn't always work and I think in this film the comedy the writing severely lets the movie down because it really with with a good message and a good feeling plus good comedy and good performances have we had that this could have been a an excellent summer comedy I think it, I think for me it just ends up being an average yeah. summer comedy which just is there if you've seen everything else yeah mine's just a little less than average but I, I still don't think it's like a horrible movie or anything I just wasn't I wanted to be I wanted to laugh more and I wanted to be more engaged and I, I did check out a couple of times um, not majorly and again I do think this is on my own taste and preferences but there were a lot of it just fell flat for me and yeah you know it happens but um, I think next up uh, we're going a little bigger yeah, this is a film that really wanted to keep you entertained, entertained and engaged, and I think we may have different opinions on this. It is the mighty, apparently, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom from director J.A. Bayona, starring Bryce Dallas Howard, Chris Pratt, Ted Levine, Toby Jones, James Cromwell, Rafe Spall, Daniela Pineda, Justice Smith, and the, and the god himself, Jeff Goldblum. It <laughs> is the sequel to the excuse of pun but the monstrously successful Jurassic World a film that I think exceeded every expectation that the studio would have had in it Jurassic World for me was a decent popcorn film Uh, looking past that it's just a decent movie Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom the the plot synopsis is it's, it's set four years after the Jurassic World theme park was closed down Owen uh, Chris Pratt and Claire, Bryce Dallas Howard, they will have to return to Isla Nublar to save the dinosaurs when they learn that a once dormant volcano on the island is active and threatening to extinguish all life there. And along the way, Owen sets up to find Blue, the awesome raptor from the first film, mm. and discovers a conspiracy that could disrupt the natural order of the entire planet because life has found a way again. Now, I thought Jurassic World was pretty good. I preferred Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, and I think that's where we, oh, the main part where we differ here. I thought this was a better film than the first one, 
Uh, partly it's because I like J.A. Bion as a director. I loved what he did with The Orphanage, and I thought A Monster Calls was pretty darn good. I like what he brought to the film. I like, I like the fact that they tried to take it into different directions. Again, no spoilers, of course, but you know, as is the kind of the norm or the trend with these kind of franchise films now, there is the the kind of vogue thing where you have to take it in a new, interesting direction. We thought of the Last Jedi, maybe Infinity War tried that as well. You know, lots of franchise films are trying to try something different now to shock the audience Jurassic World didn't really do that it certainly tried to but it did end, It did bring up some promising questions that if they can just tweak up the problems of this film then the third film could be something very decent uh-huh. this film is fun I found it to be exciting at times visually it looked excellent there, were, there was one moment which I know JB is was manipulated by and was didn't like it I didn't, this film. I didn't say I didn't like it I just felt it was manipulated <laughs> put in for yeah and I, I agree to a point but what this film has though is an abundance of extreme cheese and some real naff moments there's bits in this where my eyes almost fell out of my face because I was rolling them so hard because <laughs> it's a tendency for all of these films where yeah, it's, it's convenience just takes over but it's not even convenience it's, it's like the king of conveniences just, but it just happens mm. too many times. It's the tropes that are well used, just when just when you know they're coming. But what it does get right is a, I think, is a fantastic first first half of the film. Certainly, the first act of the film was excellent. I liked what they did later on, on in the film, but I know that lots of people didn't. So mm-hmm. over to you. Well, um, I I want to say first, I listened to uh, the Slash Filmcast review of Jurassic World, mm-hmm. uh, Fallen Kingdom, and I was a big fan of Jurassic World. I, I definitely see the flaws of Jurassic World, but I had a blast watching that movie. And partly because I am a huge Jurassic Park fan. I love the first film. It is one of my favorite. It's literally in my top five right now of all time movies. Um, it's one that I can rewatch at any time, and I always enjoy list, it. Yep. Yeah, I, I love it. Um, I, my editor for uh, BurkeReviews.com, David. Um, is also a huge Jurassic Park fan, and we have that kind of connection where we're both like obsessed over Jurassic Park. I think part of it, we grew up, we were really big fans of dinosaurs, and then Jurassic Park came, and it, it gave us Fine. this like excitement of possibility of like, and it's also fear because like the movie's lesson is don't do this, but at the same time, how awesome would it be like if if someone all of a sudden announced today that there was a Jurassic Park for real, like they they've cloned dinosaurs. It would be so tempting to go. I would be terrified, but I would want to go. You know, like we went yeah. to, when we were in New York at for Tribeca. We went to the Natural History Museum just so we could see the dinosaur bones because that's like our we're so fascinated by it. At Jurassic World coming back and being fun and having Chris Pratt, who I just love. I just I I've been a big Chris Pratt fan. Um, Parks and Recreation. I love him as Andy Dwyer. Love Guardians of the Galaxy. So he just wins me over. He's so charming, even though his character Owen Grady, I think, right? Yes. Um, poorly written character has almost nothing to do in either movie in terms of actual like plot structure. Yeah. He's just you know he's great at everything. That's it. he's always right. Nothing you know whatever. But he's so charming. It it, it just works and. Um, the highlight of this film for me, without any hesitation, is the relationship of Blue and Owen, um, mm-hmm. which makes me kind of feel bad for Bryce Dallas Howard. I don't know what they're doing with her character. They don't seem to know what they're doing with her character because 
what she's doing in this movie makes no sense from what she did in the first movie. Um, it is a huge leap in logic, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of you could say that for almost everything people do in this film. There's so many problems. Um, I do recommend if you want if you've seen this film and you want like a spoiler heavy review, check out the slash film cast episode. Um, I think the guys do a really great job of of pointing out flaws with it and also pointing out some good things. Um, it's a little bit divided of what their overall opinion of the film is, but, um, I think you get a lot of good, t- uh, bits of information about it. And I, it, they, they won, they brought me over cause I didn't really look at the direction from J.A. Benoit. I've only seen a monster calls. Um, I think I, I think I brushed the orphanage off as like a B movie, not realizing that it's supposed to be really great. Very good film. So I'm, I'm going to be going into that in the near future, but I've not seen it. So I only, I, I love the monster calls though. I actually was emotionally hit real hard and I love the art style of that movie so, so much. Um, so I was excited for this. Um, and I think my love of the, the franchise, even though I, I don't love lost world, I don't love Jurassic park three. I do find moments in each of those films that I enjoy. And that's the same with fallen kingdom. I don't think it's as good. None of them have been as good as Jurassic park. Um, and while I had, I had more fun with Jurassic world, I do think in hindsight, and especially listening to the reviews and listening to you talk, I do think that uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom might be a better movie overall, but there's so the, the errors that are there are so glaring that it's hard to see it as a better film on like on reaction. I think you really have to look at the film and, and think on it and think back to it and see why it's a better film or maybe be a little more familiar with the direction to see like the craftsmanship that goes into this movie. Um, the, the lighting, the, the use, the, the look of the film in general. Um, and this film does something that the other films haven't done. And it pushes, it pushes the story forward. Finally, I think Mm -hmm. it's been kind of sitting in the same place since Jurassic park. And this one starts to finally move it over. It's almost like we've been watching a glacier slowly moving and now yes. it's finally been hit by something to, to get the ball rolling. And this third film has so much potential, uh, well, which will be the sixth in the whole franchise, third in the Jurassic World trilogy, if they nail it. But I am so afraid that they're going to botch it, especially because Trevorrow is supposed to be back in the helm. And I don't, I question his quality of direction. So I think I was one of the only people who thought the Book of Henry was okay, even though, even though it was a hodgepodge mesh of oh. genres and styles. I didn't mind the story itself. It was absolute tripe writing, but I quite enjoyed it for the most part. You'd spot on there with a the third film, because with Trevorrow coming back, this could be a case of going back to what made Jurassic World so successful, which was that just full-on entertainment value. So they could really sort of go for a full-on blowout in uh, the third part of this trilogy and mm. lose lose kind of what Fallen Kingdom set up and I, I loathe to use the word depth but the kind of depth and direction that it could potentially go in you know they, they, mm. there is a fantastic film that could be made out of this but yeah, yeah the flaws in Fallen Kingdom are they're there whenever the dinosaurs aren't on screen the film falls flat pretty much but yeah the, 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 the you know the, the stock villains if you will the bad guys are just, I mean, it's telegraphed immediately. <laughs> it's obvious as soon as you see the the hairlines on them. But there's they they aren't very very well written, as you mentioned. That nobody's particularly very well written. Mm. So the the bad guys are stock and not there's nothing to them. 
the some of the moments in the film are just stretch. I don't say stretch credibility because they've got dinosaurs, but like some some of the uh, some of the prices paid. The the in, the Indoraptor again, not a spoiler. He's in the trailer. Mm-hmm. I thought he was awesome, but you know, it's another yeah. new dinosaur for another new film. What I will say though is the foot. The opening of this film is spectacular. I thought the first five minutes or so is just. Yeah, full of tension, and I thought, what a fantastic way to set the film up. And then going into the th- the first act, we're on the island. I thought that was played really, really well, and it looked spectacular as well. It had a, it had the, it could have quite easily just turned into a oh, violently bad looking CGI fest. But I think they really pulled off the visuals well. There's a manipulative scene in there, which JB felt was pushed in there, which almost made me die inside a little bit and when I too. saw it. It it, it, <laughs> it, it was... had the same reaction for me, but I think my cynicism. It, yeah. I was just like, I'm like, that's that's mean. First of all, the setup of it doesn't even really make complete sense to me. But more so, it was like that was cruel, you know. But um, my friend pointed out, David pointed out. I also, I think one of the guys on Slash Film said something similar. Like, if you are a big fan of Jurassic Park, this movie's gonna tug at the heartstrings at times because. A lot is changing from things that we were familiar with from Jurassic Park and in Lost World and in Jurassic Park 3 and in Jurassic World. Yeah. This movie, you know, takes part of it. Um, I mean, the premise that you said, there's a volcano on the island now erupting. Um, so everything that we've seen from that island is going to be altered in some way. And Yeah, we see that in the trailer as well. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it, it's going to tug at the heartstrings for sure. And that scene... Uh, it's definitely the more I reflect on that it is like it's kind of devastating like that whole idea like the island being changed and it it's you can't go back you know you can't go back to the island it's it's gonna be changed um and that's kind of kind of crushing it's like taking part of my uh you know my fondness of the old memory granted it is a fictional island so it's not like it mattered but um yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I went to see Jurassic Park when it came out of the cinema because I too I wanted to be a paleontologist when I was a kid. I love dinosaurs, and yeah, when you put it like that, it kind of takes you back to being what nine, ten, eleven, twelve, however old we were at the time when it came out. And you do kind of think of seeing the the wonder of seeing this world brought to life on screen and the direction it's taken out. But I think it's a necessary direction. There's only so I've mentioned it with films like Alien. There's only so many times can you pull the same shtick Agreed. before it just gets boring. And I know Prometheus tried something different, but it didn't work because it just wasn't well executed. But it there's only so many ways you can do it. The last Jedi's tried changing things up and you see how that's gone. Yeah. This is taking things in a different direction and now it all depends on that crucial final film. But the one question I will ask actually in the third film do you think they'll finally manage to get the original gang back together? Because they've had Sam Neill, they've had Jeff Goldblum turn up. Do you think they'll, they'll get the band together? That would be really interesting. Um, I, I at least want a cameo, if nothing else. But, um, yeah, I, I hope so. Um, I, you know, it's questionable where do you go from here. Like, would it make sense to still have Owen and... Um, I don't even remember Bryce Dallas Howard's character. Claire? Claire. Um, would it even make sense to have them anymore? Like, at, at the conclusion, I, it's debatable that it would... You need them. Like, you might just need it to be new characters in general, or or maybe Return of the Guard. Bring back the old people, like you mentioned. Um, there could be another... Um, like you mentioned, there could be another stretching credibility that they're suddenly now the president and the, and the first lady or something. 
Oh, uh, that would be interesting. Um, who knows? Uh, it it should be noted Trevorrow, while he did not direct uh, this movie, he did write. He has yeah. got a uh, co credit for the writing, so um, he's had his hands in all of the films, and so hopefully he knows where he's going with it, and that the third one will, you know, go this direction that it looks like it's going, and we'll get a a good finale to this franchise. Hopefully, true finale too. I hope the next one is the end. Um, and we can walk away from it from there. But um, I think that's... A... Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think it, it offers enough interesting threads to create something compelling. It's not perfect. It's still fun. It's a bit darker. But the fact, crucially, the Dino, crucially for us, but maybe not for the stars, the Dinos are still the all-stars of the film. Yeah. But if you love Jurassic Park, you're abs- I think you're absolutely going to eat this up. And the casual fans yeah. will enjoy the ride. But like we've mentioned the flaws really do prevent this from becoming like top tier in the Jurassic Park world I want to point out too because there's like I'm not a fan of the Fast and the Furious franchise nor am I a fan of the Transformers franchise and I think most of the fans could argue um like the first like if you watch Fast and the Furious it is very different from every other movie in that franchise (laughs) um Transformers almost yeah yeah Transformers is taken fairly serious in the first movie um and then my god they've retconned every movie i mean with the new bumblebee movie coming out the they now have been bumblebee came alone in the 80s or like the 70s or something and like we've known about them this whole time but in the first movie that's not the case so you know but if you still like giant robots in you know that can transform into cars or whatever you still like that movie and if you like fast cars and vin diesel punching people you still like (laughs) fast and the furious and i like dinosaurs so even though these movies have flaws and they're not perfect, I tend to enjoy them. Even like I like parts of Jurassic Park three as a whole. There's a lot of problems in that movie, but I will still watch it because I enjoy dinosaurs. And while if I'm gonna pick the movie, I'm putting Jurassic Park on. If it's on regular TV or something, I will leave Lost. You know, I, I can watch parts of Lost World. There are some moments where I just can't. I just can't do it, and it. I feel like that one drags on the most. Um, I feel like there is like major stretches in Lost World that could have been cut out, um, mm-hmm. but like Jurassic World, I thought uh, was so engaging and so fun. And this one too. This one's over two hours, but it didn't feel like it to me. It moved so. In fact, it felt like it was moving too fast at times, where like things were just happening so rapidly that you weren't getting a chance to sit with anything. Everything was just moving and moving and moving, um, which I was grateful for when it ended because I was like, oh wow. Um, and side note. And not a spoiler, but uh, a warning. I left when the credits started. Yes. And there is a stinger, apparently, that I've missed. Uh, so I need to go rewatch the movie now so I can see the stupid post-credit sequence. But there is a post-credit uh, sequence, so if you haven't seen the film, stick around in the credits, because apparently there is a, a, a stinger, which they've not done in the past. So No, they haven't. But I think this, this film has got... I think tonally, there's kind of two films going on at once here, which for me worked. You've got the all-out action of the first and then it sh- and then it switches up for something different something more akin to what Bayona is good at mm-hmm. at times in the second film it's got elements of the first Jurassic Park in it as well which yeah. I quite enjoyed but some yeah, specific you... callbacks to the first film which I yeah. was a little annoyed by actually um, I thought they were too explicitly taken um, and not necessarily homage to the originals but um, you know it, it's the franchise so I guess it makes sense but yeah, I mean, if you've seen the trailer, then you may have seen some of the shots in the second half of the film. But 
I, I enjoyed it. I like what Biona does. I'm looking forward to see what he does next. But yeah, go check out the orphanage. But for me, Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom, it certainly wasn't perfect. But I uh, I had a lot of fun with this film. More fun than I thought I would have. Yeah, and I still think it's a good summer blockbuster. Um, yeah. Definitely worth checking out on the big screen. I would say the biggest screen. Um, I got. I wasn't at an IMAX, but I was at a really large the uh, screening. I was out of town, so I was at a luxury Cobb hotel uh, theater. And um, it was a giant screen for a regular theater, and I was really happy with my uh, selection. Um, you know, we can't just float with the Jurassic World all day. Oh, so, things are getting better. <laughs> let's get into our last movie for the month, um, which is Adrift. Uh, Adrift. Yes, I've got to try and keep my head above water with these puns. Yes, the puns are coming uh, quickly like a hurricane. So, um, <laughs> directed by Ballister yep Cormacher I'm sure that's wrong uh yeah based on a true story of um as a young couple's chance encounter leads them to first love uh and then on to adventure of a lifetime as they face one of the most catastrophic hurricanes in recorded history um I didn't know this was a true story when I went to see it actually I learned it as I was watching it um Shailene Woodley uh is the star and also a producer um, which I noticed in the credits, so she definitely wanted to, this movie to happen. Uh, Sam C- Claflin is the other lead. Um, basically, everybody else on the list barely is in the film, but I guess I'll read a few more names. Grace Palmer, Jeffrey Thomas, Tammy Ashcraft. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't realize she was, I guess, like at the end. Um, Elizabeth Hawthorne, I'm assuming, because it's cut off on my phone. It is. And that's that'll be it. Everyone else doesn't have pictures. Um I went to see this uh, like three weeks after it had been out, and so it was a Monday night. Nobody was in the theater with me except for a mother, daughter. Um, I had uh, very little expectations of what, how great it would be. I figured it would be fine. Um, I actually liked it more than that. I ended up uh, thoroughly enjoying it and being captivated um, by the story, uh, especially realizing it was true. It was, it's such a harrowing tale. Um, one that kind of is scary to me like the idea of being on a boat for very long anyways is scary uh but like being like stranded on a boat is horrifying and um i thought this film does a really good job with narrative structure uh it does not follow a linear structure that you would expect um we start kind of in the middle and uh we see we cut back and forth throughout the film um from their first encounters and the meeting and then the, them on the boat after the storm, and we build to both, and it's it's just really engaging because of that. I feel like this is a movie that could have been kind of stock and you know standard boy meets girl. They go on an adventure, you know, like hero's journey style. Like they call it an adventure. They end up on this boat. Things go wrong. Can they make it? Blah 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 blah. End story. And instead, um, we start right at like the point of the accident. And then the struggle, and we see their connection, we see their develop things, and I was really invested. I thought the chemistry between Woodley and Claflin was really strong. Um, Woodley, my wife pointed out before I went to see it that the reason my wife was apprehensive about seeing it and ended up not going with me is because her voice, Woodley's voice, gets on her nerves. <laughs> and I hadn't noticed that. And then like while I was watching this movie, I'm like, you know, my wife's right. Sometimes her <laughs> her voice when she gets upset it's a little it's a little grating. Um, she's Claire fine. Claire Danes is it? Mm, not quite as mm, Claire Danes and I have a different issue. But um, <laughs> Woodley 
yeah, she she's some of the stuff I've read about her like outside. She does come off kind of flaky, a little weird, maybe a little hipsterish, you know, new age, um, Gwyneth Paltrow type nonsense. Like I've read things about you know her suggesting beauty tips and stuff, but um, I don't know. Like I first saw Shailene Woodley on her TV series on uh, ABC Family, The Secret Life of American Teenager, and I watched like a few episodes with my wife. I think we watched the whole first season before I checked out, and because it was really bad, really campy, the acting was super like B level. Um, and so when she started becoming a star, I kind of was like shrugging it off, like no way. Um, I, I think I saw the spectacular now, and was really impressed. And then I watched the Descendants, which I thought was great. And um, my wife finally convinced me to watch Fault in Our Stars a few months ago, and I really liked it. Um, you know, more than I expected to. Uh, and so I went in with the drift kind of on a, a, a being a fan of Woodley and she's continued to wow me. I thought she was really good in this. Um, I haven't seen much else from Claflin, but I, I'd like to see him in more. I'd like to see him get uh, a solid like lead role because it feels to me like the the movies that I've I'm aware he's like I didn't see um, me before you or whatever it was, but that was clearly like Amelia Clark's movie and he was the love interest. And this is yes. Shanley Woodley's movie, and he is the love interest. So I'd like to see him get a lead role, um, which I, it's an interesting... I didn't mean to sound sexist, as if I'm like, oh, the women are getting all the lead roles, and he's the love interest. It's actually kind of refreshing that that's the case. But it does... Poor Sam Claflin isn't getting <laughs> any time to be the lead. Um, and I feel like he could do it. He seems like he's got the talent, just, you know, he doesn't get to do a... He doesn't get to do too much uh, in these films. Or at least yeah, I'd, I'd heard a lot about this film going in that uh, people were saying it was fantastic and a contender for one of the top films of the year. I wasn't swept away by the film. I I was aware of the story beforehand, and I will say to anybody out there, if, you, if you're not aware of the story, you, well, obviously you're now aware that it's a true story, but if you're not aware of the ins and outs or the uh, what happens, you know, what happened, sorry, in the real-life account, don't Google it beforehand because it will... You know, it will temper your what you how you feel about the film. Go in blind, like you should do any film, but certainly for a film like this, don't check it out what happened. Just go and watch it, and I think you'll get a greater appreciation of the story or elements of it if you go in, you know, completely blind. What I will say is I I hate the sea anyway, and this film just makes me never want to go out on the sea again. I'm scared to death of the sea. So things like this and Jaws and all the other films, maybe the Meg as well. Don't help me with my fear of the sea, but I, I like Shailene Woodley. I think she, I think she was very impressive in this film. I too very much enjoyed the Fault in Our Stars more than I had any right to. I think, and I'm glad to see Ansel Elgort also go on from there. Yeah, as well. me too. He's a very tough, fine actor, but I really like Shailene Woodley. And I think she was fabulous in this film. Sam Claflin and I have a tenuous relationship because I last saw him in My Cousin Rachel, which was mm. I think my second or third worst film of last year I hated that film with a fiery death passion and I really did not like Sam Claflin in it whatsoever but I do know that he 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 is a I say he's a decent actor in this film he's very decent he's nothing he does nothing wrong in this film whatsoever Uh, I like him in this in me before you he does his job put it like that it's definitely Amelia Clark's film Uh, anything with Amelia Clark in I'm on board with but it's definitely her film at times during this I thought the writing was a little bit shaky 
And only at certain times I didn't fully believe the romance. Mm. I believed that they could be a couple, but there were moments in it which didn't, you know, didn't smack me in the face of romance. But overall, I think they worked well together. You're right; they are pretty much only only members of the cast. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's tough to talk about this film without. I know we say that a lot, but it's tough to talk about this film without really getting into yeah. any of the kind of nuance of the story. Like you say, it's non-linear, so it. it it follows different timelines. It set. It starts mm-hmm. here. It ends up there. I liked that. I think that works well, and it makes some of the any kind of time jumps. It makes it less jarring that, if if you will, that it goes back in time before it goes forward, and you see yeah. there's been time gone on. But I will I don't know, say. I, oh, sorry. I was going to say um, the one issue I had with the nonlinear wasn't the nonlinear itself, but I I never had a grasp of how long they were together before they got on the boat to do the, the thing. I had no clue. Um, the movie doesn't do a good job of giving us exactly, like, was it a week? Was it six months? Was it a year? There's no real sense of how long they were dating before they commit to this long journey together. Um, and that, that doesn't necessarily matter, but I do think it maybe adds to, um, it adds to the romance, I think, to a degree, like, knowing how, like, how, was this a, a splash in the pan like they met and love at first sight or was this a long relationship where they built over time and the the love came with exposure to each other you know like how how are we supposed to take this and again that's debatable whether it's a, a flaw but it was something that i noticed and my biggest flaws not my biggest flaws excuse me my biggest issues with the film i can't talk about without spoiling and that is um you know a burden here because the things that i want to really like explain why I'm not saying I love this film or why I'm not one of the people saying this is a contender for an award I can't bring up without getting into some major spoilers so uh, you'll just have to wait and uh, if you ever want to reach out to me and ask me my thoughts about things after you've seen the film feel free to do so on social media we'll give that information out later on but um yeah I the, the moment that JB is referring to I'm on a similar level but I tr- I mess it with uh, a different viewpoint, and again, I can't say why. But it is frustrating. Yeah. But to to um, to obviously protect the sanctity of it, because we're not going to go into it, of course. But I saw it from a different viewpoint. That's just because I have, I I, I guess I knew more about what was going on because of yeah uh, previous in, I say investment. But so I I can see why certain parts of this film would be met with divisiveness and also possibly annoyance but I don't know, for me it kind of was justified but for the reasons I know JB has I'm fully on board with what he says so yeah. do reach out to him and because John's story is a lot more interesting than what mine would be so well, do reach out to him and find that out I, I want to plug to a website that I, I like to use for movies like this that are based on true stories it's called History vs. Hollywood um, I think it is history versus Hollywood.com mm-hmm. and uh, they do a really good job of giving you like a side by side of like this happens in the movie here's what happened in real life this is the picture of the actor this is the picture of the, the actual person and it's um, like I used it for alpha dogs and uh, I used it for a drift after I watched it because I was really intrigued and wanted to know more um, and so just to give them a plug because I think they do really cool stuff especially for these three stories um, from what I've seen they're they're fairly accurate I've not done any real fact checking because i'm always more interested on a like personal level so i'm never like like i'm not doing research papers on this so i don't i'm not 
looking to see how accurate they are but it just gives me kind of more of a sense of like what the movie was supposed to be it feels accurate from what i've looked at but i don't want to sit here and say like they're the number one like research thing but they're definitely they do it in a really cool quick presentation kind of bullet points uh easy to digest sort of way about the truth and so if you're uh, like me and you watch a drift and you want to know more check out um historyvershollywood.com and look at their drift section I might just go and look at that website just for sheer intrigue and interest in true story movies because it's funny. Balthazar Cormacor, who directed this film, his last major film was another true story, Everest, which ah. I quite enjoyed, again, for the most part. There were bits I didn't. It dragged on a bit too much. But I quite liked it. He obviously, has, he obviously enjoys, well, from these two films, taking real-life events and making uh, a cinematic I want to say spectacle because he doesn't aim for spectacle here. What we do get is a very, it's very much a character-driven, isolated piece. It's almost like a stage show. It's so small, but uh, so it's interesting that he did that in his last main movie. He does a lot of Icelandic films, as as is that's where he's from. But adrift, I guess I wanted more from this film. I don't know if that's because of the hype that I'd heard on social media and just from uh, critics whom I follow. There was no. Or maybe it's just because the story is, you know, it lends itself to be for such a compelling narrative. Maybe I just wanted more, but mm. I didn't dislike the film. I it was it's not the worst. It's certainly not the worst film of this episode. But I think I did, yeah. I just left, not quite feeling seasick, but I did want a little bit more from the film. That very very good performances. The story was. I mean, the writing, like I mentioned, was a bit up and down. There were moments with this film where you'll either throw your popcorn at the screen or you'll love but overall i definitely recommend going to check it out don't go don't go in as blind as possible as well just enjoy yeah, the film i think and, that's a key yeah and hopefully you enjoy it uh, as much as we did i i think john enjoyed it or appreciated it a little bit more than i did but i still i still thought it was a very good film i think i went in more apprehensive than you though like i went in one not knowing the true story uh two I kind of went in thinking I wasn't going to be into it. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, it, it was able to, to win me over in those areas. And, and the even the flaws that I mentioned, I'm actually thinking I'm more up on this movie than not because of some of my interpretations that I've allowed myself. I, I, I had some major issues with this movie, so I, I sat and really thought about it and was like, why would they do this? What would be the motivation? Why would a director choose to do this thing if this is the case? And the answers I was able to come up with are, I feel, make the movie even better than I initially thought. Um, now, to be fair, those are my interpretations, and they could be not at all what the director intended. But from my perspective, then, it makes it a better movie than uh, my initial response. So, um, Yeah, and I think we mentioned before that what you take from a movie can be just as important as even what the director may have interpreted. Until, yeah. until you get that concrete uh, answer from the director your interpretation is just as good as anybody else's and i think if that's what you took from it then yeah more power for sure and i, I think a lot of times when directors do feel the need to uh, give you everything um it either one shows that they are like i don't know art's supposed to be interpreted we're not supposed to know every detail and and i think that is a key here i'm i would prefer not to hear the director's explanations and just mm-hmm. let my my brain think that that's what he was trying to do um because it, it made the movie better to me um, but that is the last of the films that we both saw this month. Um, and that's where our main part of the episode concludes. But Matt and I like to 
you know, throw out any other films we might have seen this month um, before we go. So, uh, Matt, was there anything else you saw that uh, we didn't talk about? Um, nothing major, no. I know that I would have very much liked to have seen The Incredibles 2, but I'm going to have to wait for for a few more weeks about that. But uh, unfortunately, they are the they are the main films I saw this month, which were released this month, and okay. uh, I'm quite happy with the haul of which I saw. Well, I'm going to go through real super quick. Uh, I'm not even going to go into extensive. My reviews for all of these movies are at BurkeReviews.com, so if you want details of why I like or why I dislike something, please go read them. Um, Action Point, the Johnny Knoxville uh, follow-up. I don't think I talked about it last month, although I think I saw it when we recorded last month, but just in case... Mm-hmm. Hated it, um, thought it was awful, should not exist. But um, if you were a super huge fan of Johnny Knoxville, you might find a little bit of joy, but you're probably better off just watching Jackass. Um, I saw Hotel Artemis. I thought, good, not great. Jodie Foster was amazing, though, and so was Sterling K. Brown, I think is the actor's name. Uh, yes. And Dave Batista. I I've, would never in a million years thought I would be saying I like Dave Batista as an actor. Really, really <laughs> like Dave Batista as an actor. He's won me over time and time again. Um, I was a big wrestling fan. I think we've talked about that even on the show before. Um, I still can't get over the fact that I like him so much as an actor. But uh, Incredibles 2, uh, two thumbs up for sure. Um, not as much as the first movie, but still it's got a lot of great stuff in it. It's a lot of fun. Some of the best action set pieces that I've seen this summer in this animated film. Like There are some amazing action scenes in this movie that are so fun, so inventive just absolutely brilliant and one of the funniest sequences i've seen all summer is in incredibles 2 as well and involves jack jack and that's all i'll say jack jack is great um and if you like the short film that they did with jack jack there is a scene in this movie that could have been a short but i'm glad it's in the film thought it was great um incredibles 2 Incredible sorry to, to sorry to jump in there oh no please i hate when people ask this question but i think it's justified when it's a sequel but because it, it, it took 15 years, I think, for this film, for this yep. sequel to come out. Firstly, is it a necessary sequel justified, and is it a worthy sequel? I, I think it's worthy, for sure. I think it does a good job of continuing to grow the characters. Um, justified is debatable. Uh, I've heard some good arguments as to why it's not justified. Um, I think the guys from uh, uh, Film Spotting made uh, some mm-hmm. strong arguments, and I think... I think Slash Film had some strong arguments against Incredibles 2, um, but u- ultimately everyone liked it. Like it's even the people who are like, well, I don't know if it's necessary. It's still a fun movie. Like so, even the the negative things I've heard have been minor negatives. Um, I've only heard a few people or seen a few people really rip this movie up. I don't. I. I there are some critics out there. I feel like do go out to hate movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh my and, boy. Yeah, definitely. He's the epitome of that, right? Like, but there's a few that I follow on Twitter who are more casual. But like, it just seems like every time anything is popular, they have the contrary opinion, um, and that could be true. Mind you, you could actually have that opinion, even if it's always contrary to everyone else's. Um, Sometimes it seems too too contrary, too convenient. I think so. Yeah, I have a few of those too. And sometimes I feel like hitting that big old block button, not because I don't agree with them, but because I don't agree that what they're doing is necessarily honest. Yeah, and it's not real criticism. It's just, like, it's trolling. It's it's there to just bash people. Like, I genuinely love film, and for me to talk ill of a movie, it has to do something that I didn't like for me to, to be down on it. Because even, like, Adrift, we were both saying, you know, 
we have negative things about it, but we both still liked it. Jurassic World, we have negative things about it, but we both still found it enjoyable because we like going to the movies. And yeah. it does things enough to make it enjoyable. Few movies like Winchester that Whoa. made us both just like, what is this? How did this happen? Yeah. It doesn't um, mean we're going to like every film we ever see at the cinema. Yeah. But generally we can have a keen eye for what's good about a film, but there are some films like but, that film you've just met that, that show should not be named. Yes. Which are just un- unsavable. Um, but Incredibles two, I think, uh, there's definitely some stuff there. Um, there's some elements about the story that I feel like are really weak and I wish they had done a little better with a few things. Um, and I'm not, I'm trying not to spoil it for you or the listeners here. Uh, but overall I thought it was really fun and definitely a, a worthy sequel should it be made? I think that's debatable. I think that's much more debatable than is it good. I definitely think it's good. For an incredible three, then. Well, money wise, money wise, <laughs> you could definitely. There's yeah. a, a strong argument. As right now, again, it's looking to be the number two film of the summer. Um, the last thing I saw that uh, we didn't talk about, I just came out here in the states. I don't know if it's out where you are. Um, Sicario: Day of the Soldado. It is out over here. Mm. It only came out yesterday. So I haven't had a chance to see it, but I'm looking forward to seeing it, hopefully tomorrow. Yeah, ours came out uh, yesterday officially, but we always have Thursday night premieres. Um, yeah. that And our premieres, I don't know, it used to be like midnight showings, right? Now they do it at like 7 p.m. 7 o'clock, yeah. So I am always uh, I always try to schedule those. I did go actually to the 10 o'clock Thursday night because you and I recorded uh, Thursday for Movie Astrology, our other podcast. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, I like it. Um, I thought... Del Toro and Brolin were fantastic. Um, there's some really cool supporting parts that I, I didn't know Catherine Keener was in the film um, until I was watching it. I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, and a few characters from the first movie showed up that I wasn't expecting. Not Emily Blunt um, or Daniel Kaluuya, <laughs> but uh, a few yeah. other of the soldiers that we saw in the movie are actually in this. Which I was like, oh, that's really cool that they stayed there because it makes sense um, in a lot of ways. But uh, I was not expecting the story that Sicario Day of the Soldado is about. Um, and there's a lot of things in the movie that I was not expecting. Um, I do think it's good. I don't know. I say this in my review, um, and I'll, this will be the last thing I say about this. I was confused about parts when the movie ended, not necessarily about the ending, but about parts of the film collectively. And I don't know if that's on me or if that's on Taylor Sheridan's writing. Um, it feels like it was on him. But I will be the first to admit I am politically ignorant more than I want to be. Um, politics and history in general, like the whole the government, that whole thing has never been something that pulled me in completely. Um, or at least that I don't actively seek out. Um, I've been more so since Trump was elected president because I feel, mm-hmm. I feel a failure in my political background now. So I'm trying to rectify that. But I still know that it's a weak area in my uh, knowledge base. And so there's things that happen that maybe if I knew more about, I would uh, have gotten more from the movie. But it was for a sequel that felt like it shouldn't exist. It's pretty good. And um, I definitely think if you like Sicario, just for Brolin and Del Toro alone, it's worth watching the sequel. Yeah, I've heard very uh, mixed reviews about this movie. I'm looking forward to seeing it because I really enjoyed the first one. Oh, I've I heard a lot one. of people either praising it as very good and hyping up the two performances you just mentioned. Other people just saying, you know, quote unquote, it's trash, which I tend to believe it may not be trash. But I'm looking forward to seeing it, going in with an open mind, 
hoping for the best, but while well, settled for being entertained. There you go. Just for and it's a summer of Josh Brolin, so uh, either way he wins. Dude, I've seen so many Josh Brolin films this year. Uh, not just his new releases, but like I've been watching other films. Like he was in uh, Inherent Vice, the Paul Thomas Anderson yeah. film I watched. Um, so he right now on my Letterbox, I have Letterbox Pro, so it keeps my stats and stuff. I have seen. I think uh, he is the most seen actor that I've watched this year. I think I have six movies of his under my belt this year um, because I rewatched Sicario before I saw this one too. So uh, that added to it. Plus he's Cable in Deadpool two and he's Thanos in um, Avengers infinity war. Uh, I I'm, he's in my top five right now for favorite actors. Though. I love Josh Berlin so much. Um, I just, I, I'm, I haven't seen everything he's done, but everything I have seen, I love him. And I, I just think he's great. Uh, no country for old men is one of my favorite films. Oh, yes, and, and he's in milk as well. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. I just, I just yeah, watched milk. Fantastic um, movie. Yeah just man he's in so many great things and um yeah can't stress enough how awesome uh he is and that's even i love his character in sicario and sicario day of soldado he's such an interesting um almost reminds me of the dude like if the dude worked for the cia or the fbi or dea whatever the crap agency he's working for because he's got this like kind of nonchalant you know, he's rocking around like in Crocs and shorts where everyone else is wearing like, you know, full fatigues and stuff. He's just got this like, I'm the dude. Like, I've uh, never, now I've, I'm going to go to the film tomorrow and imagine the dude <laughs> swag man. He's going to crack out some bowling or something or yeah. like carpets. I mean, it's, man. it's, there's a swagger that he brings to that character that is so unique for that type of character. Um, and yet he still has like this strength about him. Like it's, it's like, as if the dude were a military man, that's the attitude that I think he gives off. Um, and I, I love that. I think it, I think Berlin's the perfect person to do that. And, uh, yeah, just love it. Um, so I think that's the episode. I think that's the month of, uh, June for 2018. Um, Matt, where can they, mixed bag. yeah, it was a mixed bag, right? Like, um, mainly positive though. It's, it's, maybe lukewarm even like it's the inside internal temperature of a tauntaun right like <laughs> it's right in there uh there's nothing i think hereditary is the highlight for me i think it's the best movie of this month even though for yeah. me it was technically may um but upgrade was the big surprise of the month and everything else just kind of fell right where it we expected i think you know jurassic world had some good stuff it's made the most money i thought oceans 8 was a very passable reboot slash sequel um, tag was the disappointment of the month. Yeah, tag tag was the. I, you know, I can't even call it a disappointment though, because I didn't expect to love it. Because I know Ed Helms' the last several films have not worked for me. Um, I didn't make it to see that the Father's movie with uh, Owen Wilson. Ah, Father Figures. Yeah, I didn't make it to Ugh. that, and that is that's why because that's I, probably it's horrendous. Yeah, and I like Owen Wilson. I'm one of those people that tend to find his humor very funny like i love you me and dupree i can't stand matt Dillon in that movie but i love owen wilson in that film and um the seven different types of smoke is something i still say because of that stupid movie (laughs) and (laughs) that reference might be falling on many ears who are like what but um i like owen wilson and ed helms was enough to keep me away from it like that's um you know wow uh, just because uh, consistently and i'm a i'm a person i'm a huge fan of the office we've talked about it before I like the seasons where Michael Scott is gone and he is in charge. So keep that in mind when I say I'm not a big Ed Helms movie fan. Like I was an advocate for Andy being the the head of the office 
and most people hate those episodes. Yeah, and I don't care for his movies. And I, I like the first Hangover. The second Hangover was a, you know, bigger version of the first movie. The third one was really jumping the shark hard. Um, and since then, I've been kind of down on Ed Helms. And yeah, he has not, not won me over. I even watched Vacation. Good lord. Lucky you. Yeah. <laughs> But Matt, where can they uh, find you online? The world can find me at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. Just search for that handle and you'll find me. On Letterboxd as well, so if you want to see all my reviews, they're on there and on the website. And I also have a stable of podcasts, which you can find on the website. Yes, and I recommend his podcast. Um, I do another one with Matt, uh, Movie Astrology, which... I, our second episode will be dropping soon, and man, we talked a lot on that episode. I don't know if you know, it was like a two-hour-plus episode. Um, but it's a lot of fun. It is. I really enjoy doing that podcast with you, and I enjoy doing this one with you. Um, you know, it, it's really been a great experience, I think, uh, doing this whole BurkeReviews.com thing. You know, all this, the movies I've watched, the experiences I've had, they've been amazing. Um, and I, I couldn't be prouder of the things that I've been able to be a part of because of something I just decided to do. Um, I am a journalist by degree. I have a degree in mass communications, but you know, um, I, I'm self-made as far as this goes. I, I, you know, I'm not writing for anybody else, and uh, I've got to meet some really awesome people. So, with that, Long Bur- I continue. I, let's uh, keep it going. Um, BurkeReviews.com is where you can read my reviews at Burke Reviews on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Um, follow us, uh, email us. If you have any questions about this podcast or movies that we talked about, contact at BurkeReviews.com is a simple way to just shoot me an email, say what you got to say, and I can uh, get back to you or possibly read it on our next episode, which will be July of 2018 when we'll be back. So Yes, and there is some fun films coming out next month, so I'm looking forward to that. Me too. I'm very, very excited about July, especially Mission Impossible Fallout. That's the movie I'm the most hyped for, I think. Yes. But, all right, Matt. Well, until next time, um, keep it real. And keep it bloody awesome. Blood, 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 bloody.